Welcome to City Church. We are a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus, grow together, and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. Hey, so I'm going to do something that I couldn't do when my kids were in middle school and high school, and that is be dorky up front. Um, My last child is going to be a fourth year at UVA, and so now I can start doing this because they're not here, and I don't have to listen to it when I get home. So we're in the middle of a uh, four-part summer series that will take us through the month of July. And in that, uh, four of us pastors sat down. It was myself, Pastor Scott, who preached last week on rest. And then uh, we sat down. There were four of us, and we're going to deal with rest. I'm going to talk about renovation this morning, and then there will be recreation and refocus. But when we talked about renovation, I knew that that was going to be mine. And the reason is, is that every home that we've owned, and there's been two in 32 years of marriage, the last one for 22 years, both homes we owned, I renovated. My wife loves it. It's like her favorite thing. Now, the idea is, is that we've bought these homes, and uh, I grew up in a home where my dad would buy homes and renovate them, and it just seemed to never end. Renovation never ends. And how many of you have ever bought a home and renovated it? How many of you ever actually finished it? couple, three, maybe, sort of, a little bit. I never did. The homes that we owned were always under renovation. Hint, hint, that's true with us and God. It's never done. It's something that God continues to do in our hearts and in our lives. Now, renovation is a noun, and here's the definition from Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. To restore to a former better state as by cleaning, repairing, or rebuilding. To restore to life, vigor, or activity. That's what renovate means. Now, interestingly enough, as I mentioned, for the past 22 years, I've been renovating a house, and we've been living in it that whole time. And as the crow flies, our house is three miles from Lowe's. And one of my favorite, famous things to do is I'd be working on a project, I'd look at my watch and go, oh no, Lowe's is going to close in 15 minutes. (laughs) And I would hop into my car and I would blow through the doors at Lowe's five minutes before closing. And what's incredible is the look on all of the employees' faces (laughs) when you blow through the door at Lowe's five minutes before they close. Thing of it is, I know Lowe's really well and I'm able to go get my materials, get ready for the next day and have stuff bought and set aside for the next day of work on the house. But interestingly enough, last August, I was in Lowe's during COVID. What was amazing was every store seemed to be closed in Charlottesville but Lowe's. And you would walk into Lowe's, and it was like nothing had changed. Lowe's was absolutely packed with people. So I was in Lowe's once, and again, I've been in there a lot over the past 22, 23 years. And so I've gotten to know some of the department people, and I was in there buying something. And I'm not shy. I will actually ask, how do you do this? Can you help me? Give me ideas. And so one of the department guys I've actually gotten to know, and when I was in there, I said, man, business looks awesome. He said, Pete, the week before, they'd had the largest gross income in one day in the history of the Lowe's in Charlottesville. 
So in one day, they had brought in more money during COVID than in any other time. So in preparation for this morning's sermon, I looked it up. The second quarter last year, which involved August, the income at Lowe's had grown 30% in that quarter. And online sales in that quarter had gone up 135%. You know why? People were renovating their homes. They were finally home and had to look at it (laughs) and realized that it needed painting and work and renovation. Now, one of the things that God kind of put in my heart, and I'm going to say a few things this morning that I think are important for us to catch. We're going to, I want to talk about this before we read the biblical text we're going to focus on, was this. You know, when you renovate a house, you realize someone has done work before you, and there's material there, and you're updating it or rearranging it, but you don't create anything. I want to be clear. No human being has ever created anything. God has always supplied the raw materials whether it's your strength, your brain, whatever it is. But we live in a culture that will oftentimes, people will say, I've created this. No, no, no one created. God did. There's raw materials there. And if you've ever renovated a house, you know about that. And by the way, hint, hint on renovating a house. It always costs twice as much and takes three times longer than you would ever imagine it could possibly take. Now with this, what I want us to do is I want us to think very deeply about renovating in this sermon. Now, before we get to the text that we're going to focus on, I want to have a responsive reading on the text that that Paul writes just before the one we're going to focus on. We're only going to focus on two verses this morning, but when we get ready to read those two verses, you will notice that there is a therefore at the beginning of those two verses. And any time in the Bible you read the word therefore, you need to ask yourself the deep theological question, what is the therefore, therefore? Well, it's therefore, therefore, because for the prior five chapters, the Apostle Paul's talking about the mercy of God and how God's mercy has gone beyond the Jewish people and now includes Gentiles and those who aren't originally physically part of the family of God, now everyone's in. Now with that... He ends chapter 11, we're going to read in chapter 12, he he ends chapter 11 with what's called a doxology. So in the middle of the book, he stops, has a doxology, and then begins to write about a new thing. That's why the therefore is there. So what I want us to do is read out loud in responsive reading Romans 11, 33 through 36. Are you ready? Let's read out loud. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has ever given to God? God owes no one. Got to know that. You cannot earn God's favor. It's not how it works. Reading on. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Now Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
Do not conform. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. By the way, a much better translation of Greek to English would be this. Do not conform to the pattern of this present age. This present age. Reading on. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, in that reading, I highlighted two words, conform and transformed. One, you do not do. The other one, you trust and rest and pray for. The first one is conform. And the Greek word, which I'm not going to try to pronounce, means to be identified with having outward shape, assuming a similar outward form or expression by following the same pattern, model, or mold. Some of you, if you had a translation that was different than what I just read from the NIV, you will notice that it was translated, do not be forced into the mold of this world. That's conformity. Conforming is when you're forced into a mold. Instead, the Apostle Paul says we are to be transformed. You will recognize this Greek word. Transform is metamorpho. It's metamorphosis. That's where we get the English word from. And it means to change after being with. And morpho, changing form in keeping with, what does it say next? Inner reality. Properly transformed after being with or transfigured. By the way, when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, this is the word that's used. He metamorphosized in front of his disciples. He transformed from the inside out, and he began to shine, to glow. Literally, the glory of God was shining in him, through him, and out of him. So the reality of it is, what Paul's talking about is conform which is outward, versus transform, which is inward. Conform, don't do that. Inform, I'm sorry, transform, do that. Now, I remember it was many years ago, probably 15 years ago, um, my, my children attended a school here, a prep school that's secular. It's not a Christian school. And so oftentimes, I was the pastor, so they'd ask me to do chapel. It was fun. And there's nothing more fun than doing chapel with kids from first to third grade. Because the reality of it is, is if you just keep all their attention, it's like a miracle. So when I would go in, they'd say, Pete, you can teach whatever ever lesson you want. And uh, the lesson that I taught was taken from this text that we're getting ready to look at up on the screen now. It's 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. And the latter part of that verse just simply says this. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, outward conformity. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the transformation inside. People look at the outside, but God looks at the inside. So what I did was, for this little chapel time, it lasts about 10 minutes, because 
I just couldn't do it for longer than that. But there's these first and third graders in there. I think that was generally the age. And so what I did was I read that verse. I said, you know what? God doesn't look at the outside. God looks at the inside. So I had the kids cheering outside, inside, outside. And then what I did was I had two boxes of cereal. One of them were Fruit Loops. Jesus loves Fruit Loops. And then there was some whole wheat cereal that when you eat it, it's like, gravel. You know what I mean, right? So I had the two boxes set out, and I said, which one do you want? And the kids were cheering, Fruit Loops, Fruit Loops, and they were cheering. Had this little cheer going, so I put the bowl out, and I ripped open the box, and I poured it, and all the whole wheat cereal came out, and the kids went, ew, ew. And then I sat the box down, and they said, they said what? I said, well, here's the deal. When you look at the outside, what's inside, doesn't that matter more? They were like, yes, what's inside matters more than what's on the box. We want what's inside. the Anyway, it was outside, inside. And here's what was amazing. When I was done with that simple little illustration, I remember a parent walked up to me after and said, is that really true? Does God honestly look at the inside and not the outside? And I said, yes. And they said, I've never heard that before, ever. You see, we live in a world where it's all conformity. It's how the world works. The world works with conformity. But the Bible teaches us that God is concerned about the inside. That's what God cares about. Now, let's talk about renovation. So, again, I mentioned that Franny and I bought two homes. We lived in the first one for 10 years and the last one for the past 32 years. Every time you buy a house, you hire a home inspector. And what the home inspector does is, they're not really so worried about what's on the surface. What the home inspector does is look where you cannot see. That's what they're looking for. And here I'll give you a little hint. If you buy a house and the home inspector comes back and tells you that there's a piping in it called Quest, Quest pipe, do not buy that house. And here's why. Millions of homes in America have Quest pipe. It was the first plastic pipe that was easy to install and could be done very quickly instead of copper pipe soldering and fittings. And so what happened was a lot of builders started using Quest because it was easier, less expensive, you could install it, you didn't have to weld, you didn't have to or use solder, you didn't have to use heat, and all that kind of stuff, so millions of homes. Problem was, about two or three decades later, Quest Pipe began to fail. And there was a massive lawsuit where hundreds of millions of dollars were paid out to homeowners because they had Quest Pipe. Here's why, you can't see it, it's in the walls, but you don't want to renovate a house with Quest Pipe. By the way, there are some insurance companies that won't even give you homeowner's insurance if you have Quest Pipe. Why? What you can't see actually does matter. It doesn't matter if you have granite countertops and it's painted with the latest, greatest colors and everything's awesome. If there's a problem in the wall, Houston, you've got a problem, a big one. Now, with all of this said, what we begin to understand is that the Apostle Paul in Romans 12, 1 and 2, asks us a very important question. Are you conforming 
or are you being transformed? Conformity is from outside pressure. You're being forced into a mold. Transformation is from the inside out because even the ancient Jews knew something unique happened when a caterpillar climbed up on the branch and suddenly was transformed from the inside out. A caterpillar went in, a chrysalis came around it, and the next thing they saw was a beautiful butterfly. It was transformed. There was metamorphosis from the inside out. And what the Apostle Paul is writing is in this present age, we must be careful that as a people, we are being transformed instead of conformed. Now, think about your life. This is an important question. Conformity is when you live from the outside in. Transformity is when you live from the inside out. And there's an eternal difference. Conformity is when you live your life from the outside in. It's about what do people think about you. It's about getting your identity from everything that's outside. If you win the game, you can face yourself. If you lose the game, you can't face yourself. If people say great things, you're on the mountaintop. But all it takes is one criticism and you're in the valley of darkness. Listen, that's conformity. It's when what's coming from the outside is how you live your life. And here's what I promise you, is if you live in a conformity life, you will be filled with anxiousness, fear, worry, and self-doubt. I promise you, you will have a lot of that. Because here's why. The scripture tells us clearly that when we look at the age in which we live, it's called this present age. And the Apostle Paul in Galatians 1.4 says that the present age stands in opposition to God. And if it stands in opposition to God, and that's where you're getting all your data from, that's where you're getting everything that you are in your self-image and how you view yourself and how you view life, if it's conformity, you're being pressed into the mold of this world. And I can promise you this, you will never know where you're going and the goalpost always gets moved. There's no consistency with what the world or this present age requires of you. It's always going to change. And as soon as you get close to it, it's going to be pulled away again. Conversely, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, the, the Greek word metamorphosis is used again. It's used very rarely in Scripture. And here's where Paul uses it again. It's 2 Corinthians 3.18. Listen to the text. And it says, We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being metamorphosized. We're being transformed into what? Aha. Into image of Jesus. Reading on it says, With ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So listen. When we're being transformed, there's an agenda and you know what it is. When you live from the inside out and the Spirit of God dwells within you and you live from inside, not outside, God's got an agenda and his agendas make you like Jesus. 
There's a clear stated agenda for the transformation. You know where you're going. If you're being transformed by God, I promise you that's where you're headed. You're being headed to become like the image of God in this world in his son. God wants to make you like Jesus. But if you're being conformed by the world, no one knows where you're headed, least of all you. That conformity is doing stuff to you, but I promise you will never get there and you don't know where you're going. I promise you. Now, so the Apostle Paul sets up this brilliant argument. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this present age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, what Paul's saying is clear, that this present age has a thought process ready for you. That this present age has a way in which it wants you to see yourself, those around you, and this world. But so does Jesus. Jesus has a way in which he wants you to see yourself. And by the way, that's beautifully and wonderfully made. By the way, that you're created in the image of God. It's the idea that God has uniquely created who you are. And the problem is, is that in this world, in the spirit of the age, as Paul would say it, has a different agenda. And the agenda is to leave you in a place you don't want to go, don't want to be there. Now again, I ask yourself this question. Are you living from the inside out, or are you living from the outside in? And if you're living from the inside out and you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, and you have the shalom of God in you, and you have the joy of the Lord in you, then you can live life from the inside out. But if you live life from the outside in, I promise you, you're fearful and anxious and filled with self-doubt. I've seen it for far too long. Now with this, how do we put feet to our faith? That becomes the question. How do we put feet to our faith? First of all, if you are a follower of Jesus and we don't find ourselves in Scripture having conversations with other followers of Jesus, being involved in a small group or a life group, spending time in private worship, my question has to be, how do we renew our mind? If the only data I take in, and I don't care if it is Fox News, whatever data you take in, I promise you, isn't going to renew your mind. Where we renew our mind from is the source of God from Scripture, from worship, and from fellowship with other believers that we're moving together with. That's how we renew our mind. And here's the scary truth. We live in a fallen world, and conformity takes nothing on your part. All you have to do is get in the inner tube of life and float down the river and do nothing, and you will be conformed. It just happens. It's a promise. It's a guarantee that if you do nothing and float in the current of culture, you will 
conform. I promise you, you'll conform. It actually takes surrender and it takes intentionality to be renewed. The Apostle Paul is clear. There's the body. We surrender that to God. There's the mind. That's renewed. And so that process is what we're involved with as followers of Jesus is when we surrender our body as a living sacrifice. And look, the kingdom of God is this crazy upside-down kingdom, but it's awesome. And all I know is when I offer my body, all of who I am to Jesus, as a living sacrifice, as I do that, what I discover isn't death, it's this amazing life. Normally, when a sacrifice is offered, it's dead, over, done, gone. But in Jesus, when I offer my body, who I am, in my entirety, as a living sacrifice, something happens to me that brings life. And what I actually find is the death that I have begins to get pushed out as life comes in. And the incredible miracle of God is I can live from the inside out. Now, as we close out our time, I want to say something that I've felt so compelled to say in each service today. It's this. If you are living from the outside in, and I don't want you to think about anyone else, I want you to think about yourself. If you've been living from the outside in, and I've seen this, especially working with college students for the past 32 years, I've sat in my study, on the edge of ball fields, walking across grounds. I've experienced for 32 years of full-time ministry where I'll be walking with a college student, they begin to pour out their heart. And usually, if I ask them what they think of themselves, here's what they say. I feel worthless. This present age and the spirit behind this present age is driving us towards worthlessness, anxiety, and fear. It just does. And what's been so incredible is to watch college students and others begin to recognize you can't live from the outside in. When you do, you will feel worthless. It's just a matter of time. You cannot have enough successes. You can't get enough straight A's. And all of that's elusive anyway. But when in Jesus, we surrender our body and we surrender our mind and we come to Jesus, we discover that there's a life in us that helps us to live from the inside out. When I was renovating the home that we lived in with my dad, I learned a phrase that's actually quite humorous. But the local German farmers would have a saying if you were trying to work on something and it wasn't worth working on. They'd say, son, you can't put lipstick on a pig. It's a pretty good saying, isn't it? You're working on, you're putting lipstick on a pig, man. It's not worth your time. It's humorous. But it's not humorous when a person views themselves that way. Where they believe that God wants to renovate everyone but them. And there's people sitting here, and age doesn't matter. There are people sitting here, you've lived your whole life from the outside in, and you're a follower of Jesus. 
But when it comes to the renovation of God, God wants to do a unique work in you, and it's from the inside out. God always works from the inside out. You want to know why? God does not look at the outside. He looks at the heart. He looks at the inside. Would you stand with me as we close? As we stand together, I'd like us to take just a brief moment and be in the presence of the Lord. And as we're there, in the present working of the Spirit, I'd like you to be honest with yourself. Have you been conforming? Or through surrender, have you been being transformed? The amazing thing about God is that all you have to do is admit it then open up your heart and offer your mind, offer your body as a living sacrifice. Saying, God, here I am. For some of you, you would say to Jesus in this moment, I feel so worthless. I'm exhausted. I'm worn out. I think about myself and I just push everything away. Well, the good news of the gospel is there's a different way to do life. It's from the inside out. And Jesus is the one that can do that in us and through us and for us.